Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed. You can follow me there on Twitter. And uh, it's Wednesday. And uh, we'll we'll take a look at the yesterday's NBA slate. Take a look at results, DB. Preview some stuff for today's slate. Obviously, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, as I always say with NBA. We don't know what's going to happen eight hours from now. So uh, don't 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 have your lineup set in stone. But I'm always here answering your DFS strategy questions. So feel free to uh, type in the YouTube chat. Anything you want to talk about, just type it in there. Give me those tummy thumbs. Give me the tummy thumbs. I'll wave the thumbs at you here early in the morning. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got we got shows all the time here. We got the slow cast uh, coming up at uh, 2.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time, I believe. Then we got uh, NBA Crunch Time. As always, uh, NBA Grinders Live, the free show, NBA Crunch Time for premium members. And uh, all the tools and everything that I show during this show, uh, you could you could get from Roto Grinders Premium. So sign up there. You get the projections. You get the, you get the lineup HQ. You get all the premium content. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Uh, just uh, as a side note, I did not play yesterday. Uh, I, I had family over. So uh, t- took a family day. And uh, based on uh, some of some of the, the the cash game results, that was a, that was a, a probably a good decision. I didn't plan on it. Uh, the, the Porzingis was what forty four percent owned on uh, in Fanduel, and he he got a back injury. Right, he basically played like crap, and then they just stop. Oh, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Right, and then we had the LeBron being out. That may be a new thing this year because if you remember last year. Like the Lakers, everyone was always listed as questionable, right? Because because of you know the, the NBA injury reporting rules that they have to abide by. It's like no, we're just gonna put AD and LeBron as questionable every day, and then we could decide whether or not one or both or whoever plays. Most of the time, they both played, right? But Lakers also got. I mean, they, they've got tons of injuries towards the end of the last season, and uh, obviously in the playoffs. So. We were under the assumption, obviously, yesterday, it's like, oh, look, LeBron's listed as questionable. He's still going to play. He played He played through the Q tag like 80% of the time, like last year. But then we got the news about a little, about 45 minutes or so before lock that LeBron, LeBron was sitting, okay, which now bumps up, you know, Westbrook, bumps up AD, and it bumps up like Malik Monk. It bumps up some of the other Lakers. Uh, so we may have to get used to the fact that Maybe today, Anthony Davis sits, right? They rotate these guys, right? On back-to-backs, especially, maybe the Westbrook sits, right? Out of those three guys, like, they may only have two per game. It's something like that. So, uh, and we may not get that news until an hour before lock or the 5.30 Eastern injury report or something like that. So that's something to keep in the back of your back of your head. Like, right, right now, in our current projections for today, we do have Anthony Davis in. Because we, we leave questionable guys in until, until shown otherwise. Doubtful guys are always out of the projections. Uh, but I'm assuming that we're going to have a, a what-if uh, projection up for the Lakers. So if you're a premium member, uh, you'll be able to go and see what the Lakers projections would be if Anthony Davis is indeed sitting today. And any any of the other like questionable news. I think that's the only, that's the only one, right? We have Portis in. Portis is probably going to is is likely to play today for the Bucks, making his first appearance of the season. So so that, that that's you know, if you're looking at today's slate, like that's kind of like the high level what you should be preparing for uh, for today's slate. Drew Holiday still out. 
So that's the type of stuff you should be thinking of. At 11 o'clock in the morning, you probably shouldn't be building lineups, okay? So that's why we, we go over yesterday's slate. And yesterday's slate, obviously with LeBron out, the most owned players, Anthony Davis, 50% average across contests. Westbrook, 45%. This is DraftKings. And we can see here uh, the sixth man, which is a $600 contest with a 28 max. Like I compared that to the lower stakes contest. The fadeaway is the $15 large field. And the four point play is the 20 max $4 contest. And if you notice the, the ownership levels of the fadeaway and the four point play are not, are typically not that dramatically different, right? You may get slightly, slightly less, you know, like inefficiencies in uh, in the four point play because it's a lower stakes contest, but because it's $4, uh, and it's typically a contest over $25,000 in a prize pool, like someone like me could still play the, those contests. So, so you're not, you're not getting the, the 20, the, the $3 20 max, which any restricted player, high volume player is not going to be able to play. So whenever they run, whenever they run a $3 20 max, if you're a lower stakes player, that's, that's the time to play that contest, especially over the fadeaway, because you're not going to get, you know, the, the, the high stakes pros and everyone, you know, high volume people putting in 20 of their lineups into that contest. So that's the reason why the fadeaway and the four point play, typically the, the disparity between the ownership, if we go like side by side, is typically around the same. But then we go from the sixth man down to those, you can see some dramatic increases or decreases. I mean, take a look at Anthony Davis, 60% in the, in the, in the $600 contest, but only 44, 45% of the lower stakes. Same for Russell Westbrook. People did not react to the LeBron. Not enough people, right? Obviously, people did, right? Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook were still the highest owned players in the fadeaway, but they probably should have been 45, 50, 55% owned and not 40 to 45% owned. Keldon Johnson was a popular value play. Apparently, uh, Popovich said in the second half, I don't like you anymore and just decided not to play him even after playing like 37 minutes the game before. So that was that was kind of a bad beat. I mean, he was he was mega owned. Uh, I don't know how. I mean, it's 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 Popovich, right? You you can project all you want with Popovich on a game by game basis. Uh, sometimes these rotations could out of the blue change. Uh, Deontay Murray put up one hell of a game, seventy one. But as chalk, a lot of the chalk got there. I mean, take a look: Anthony Davis seventy, Russell Westbrook sixty four, Deontay Murray seventy one, Jacob Pertle fifty three. Obviously, that game what what that game went to overtime. So that helps. Lucas, 60. Jalen Brunson as cheap chalk, 35 and a half at a cheap price. Dort was having himself a game in the first quarter and then kind of died from there. Uh, so it really seems like the Keldon Johnson was like the one that like didn't need. Malik Monk got there for his cheap price, 26.75. Uh, go through. Powell was chalky for some reason. Wiggins, I mean, if you played Curry, uh, that was the biggest difference I saw here in uh, between the contests. That in the large field contest, Curry was 15% owned, but in the higher stakes $600 contest, he was only 6% owned. Seems like a lot of, uh, a lot of sharper players, higher stakes, higher volume players, uh, used to get off Curry as leverage than get off the Lakers, right? Especially when the LeBron news hit. I think, I think if, LeBron was in, there were going to be more lineups with Curry. So if, if, you, if you were prioritizing the Lakers over anyone, it was at the expense of Curry. And that's why we see the disparity, right? We see AD being 60% down here, 
Russell Westbrook being 56 and well, lower ownership in the lower stakes. Well, where did that ownership go? Well, it stayed on Curry, who if you built lineups at five o'clock, Curry was probably in there, right? Curry would have probably been 15, 20, 25% off. But once the lake, once, once you get Russell Westbrook in your guard spot and you're, and you're paying up for AD in a power forward spot and you have Deontay Murray there anyway, that you could play in another guard spot. Like Curry, Curry was not, not a priority. So uh, yeah, yeah, he underperformed, but Curry was probably a much better play in the six in the six man contest than in the in the smaller field contest. Because even though he even though he was good beforehand, now more sharper players are going to switch, are going to jam in Davis and Westbrook, and in the lower stakes, they're not going to do that as much. This is this is the dynamics of playing these different types of contests when the ownership is different. The strategies that you use become different. Let the, the calculations of how much leverage you need, right, becomes different. So in the higher stakes contest, if you're like, oh, LeBron news came out, I know that most of my opponents are 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 very aware or observant. They're gonna start jamming in Lakers, right? They're gonna start jamming in Spurs. They're gonna kind of game stack that game. Even though Steph Curry was the popular play before that. Like maybe you stick with him in, in, in this type of contest because you know so many people will not be. But in the lower stake stuff, then you, you just do the straightforward thing. LeBron's out, I'm jamming in Davis and Westbrook. Because in the lower stakes, my opponents aren't as observant. There are plenty that are, but there aren't as there, there are plenty that aren't. There are more that are, are aren't than in the six hundred dollar contest. So this is what I mean by playing contrarian depending on the contest that you're playing. If you're playing higher stakes, smaller field, single entry stuff, like if I probably, if I bring up, let's see, what was, what was the single entry contest yesterday? Uh, the showtime. Uh, yeah, let's, let's try the showtime, right? Which is a hundred dollars single entry. We can see, look at the ownership. I mean, it's, it's very similar to the six man. 60% on these Lakers, 56% on Keldon Johnson, Jalen Brunson, 37%. People are playing more cash-type lineups. And then we go down to Steph Curry. Let's see. Let me put on this average. Let's go to Steph Curry. Where'd he go? Here we go. So 6%. You're right. 6% is single entry also. Right? The, the Showtime ownership is very similar to the six-man the six ownership. So leverage could be had by actually fading the link in one contest, but you'd be better off just jamming them in in another. So always understanding what contest you're playing and what your opponents are doing. That's that's the kind of fundamental concept of game theory. It's not just what your lineups are, what your hand is like in poker. First, second, and third level thinking. First level thinking is what is your line? Okay, that's first level thinking, just like in poker. What are your cards? What's your hand? I got a full house. I don't care. I don't know what anyone else has, but I know what I got. I got second level thinking is what do I got and what do my opponents have? What do I think my opponents have? Right? What do I think my opponent's lineups will look like? What do I think my opponent's hand is in a poker game? Third level thinking is what is my hand? What do I think his hand is or her hand? And what do I think they think my hand is? Right? Now, the third level you rarely get to in DFS, maybe at the very high stakes, the contests. So a lot of people play these smaller, these uh, the low, low stakes contests as first level. So you could beat them by playing second level. 
what, what do I think my opponents are going to do and how do I take advantage of that? If my opponents are not going to, going to play Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook enough for what their projection is because LeBron is out, I'm going to play more of them. I'm going to play as much as I can. If they're going to play, you know, Steph Curry at a too high level, then I'm not going to play as much of them, right? You're going to go, you're going to, if you could find lineups that project similarly that are lower owned because of those dynamics, those are the lineups you should be playing in those contests. But then you get to a contest like the sixth man, the $600 contest. Now people are thinking second level. So how do you beat a second level? You think in the third level, right? That's where that, that's where the leveling comes in. So in the sixth, in the sixth man with much more observant opponents, you go, what is my lineup? Okay. I'm going to build a line. Then you go, what do I think my opponents are going to play? You go, well, I think my, my opponents are going to start jamming in LeBron with the late later news. And you go, more so, especially because they're observant, right? The guys in the higher stakes are much more observant. And then you go, well, is there a way for me to build a lineup that projects well, that can take advantage of maybe AD and Westbrook go over them? Maybe Deontay Murray goes over owned, right? Doesn't mean you have to fade them all, right? Your projection is going to go way down if you do that. But maybe you don't play Davis and Westbrook together. Look at lineups that look like that. Maybe you don't play, let me X out Keldon. Let me X out the Spurs completely and just play one Lakers stud and see what those lineups look like. How do they project? Because in these contests, these are smaller field contests that you don't want to give up a ton of projection, right? You don't want to do, oh, I can exploit them, but I'm giving up 16 points in projection. Now, you're probably not doing that. But can you give up a couple of points projection and get a, a significant discount in ownership? You could run that through lineup HQ and see. But you're going to have to change the ownership numbers. Because remember, our ownership numbers, like we have a, uh, today, these are all algorithmically created. When, when, you see, when you see the updated, you know, everything like in the very early in the morning, that means like our, our, our system is just doing it algorithmically. Uh, that uh, the projection team will come in uh, late in the morning and start making adjustments to this. But I mean, these are the numbers as they stand right now. But like, if we take a look at today and you go, well, I think uh, SGA, th- we have SGA at 34, Giannis at 32, Van Vliet at 29, Melton at 25. This is DraftKings. If you, if you think that like, you know, six o'clock comes around, we get news, maybe LeBron is in, like maybe AD is in, like these projections are fine. We have Precious Achua at 20.9% ownership. If you think in the higher stakes, like more people are going to play Precious Achua than the low stakes and change this number. Before you start running lineups, you should be changing to what you believe the numbers, the ownership should be in the contest that you're playing. Now, most people are playing lower stakes contests and, and at least larger, mid to larger field that most likely these ownership numbers that you see at, at Roto-Grinders are going to be more or less accurate, Right. Within, within a reasonable range. I mean, no one's 100% accurate. But when you start playing the, the, the higher stake stuff, like Giannis may not be 32%, he may be 44%. SGA may be 38%, right? The Anthony Melton may be 32%. So like if you're playing those contests, like you should be, cha- you either should be changing the players that are going to be more owned and understand that the more ownership you give to one player, you have to remove it from someone else. Right. If we take a look at these higher priced players, if Giannis is going to be more than 32 percent owned and he's going to be eight percentage points more owned, well, where's those eight? Probably going to come through any power forward that is of that price and around that price. So it's going to come out of A.D. It's going to come out of Carl Anthony Towns. It's going to come out of Kevin Durant. 
So if you change Giannis to say, okay, Giannis, I think is in the higher stakes, higher, you know, smaller field than be 40. Well, Durant may only be nine, right? Or we go down here, like heart, like we take, some of these guys are only ones. I think, I think this is wrong. I think that's why I said, I think they had, they, they're algorithmic generated projections. So it may be that you bump some of these guys down if you bump another guy up. But that's what you should be thinking about depending on the contest that you're playing, right? Do you have to go through the entire play pool and do that? No. I mean, you could. Most of the time when I'm building and I've been focusing this season on the smaller field stuff, small to midfield, mid-size field stuff, uh, single entry, three max type of things. Uh, I remove all the players that I'm not, I'm not even considering playing at, at all due to projection. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be giving up that much projection. So it, it, I may be eliminating 90% of the player pool to begin with. And then once I eliminate 90% of the player, then, then at least I'm only updating the, the ownership projections of like 30 players, right? Just 30. Okay. What do I think this is? Okay. Based on the news, based on what I've heard throughout the day, no recency bias. This guy's had two good games in a row, you know, that, that type of stuff. Or this guy's had two bad games in a row and people don't want to play. So even though the math says that's, that he should be played at X percent, maybe it goes down three or four percentage points. And you, you have to judge that for yourself. I mean, that's, that, that's part of the skill of DFS, judging that for yourself. If you're in those types of contests. But for the most part, if you're going to be playing the fadeaway, the $15 GPP on DraftKings, like the numbers that are here are typically, typically uh, directionally accurate enough. So, because people have asked, like, oh, different contests, different contest sizes. How do I adjust for the ownership? Well, you got to do. You got to do that. <laughs> you got it. You got to do that. Run lineups and see. I mean, if we took a look at 150 lineups right now, if like, let's say these were the final projections. Let's just say these were accurate. Whatever. I want to run 150 lineups. Like, you should see the higher owned players in more lineups, right? We should see Giannis in a ton of lineups. We should see Tatum in a ton of lineups. We should see uh, the, the SGA in a ton of lineups, Red Band Bleed in a ton of, I mean, right? So you run it. So we're going to run 150 lineups. And see, there are going to be some people that maybe show up in 96% of lineups. If that's the case, then in higher stakes and smaller field, expect their ownership to be much higher. If we see Giannis in 96% of lineups, he ain't going to be 32% owned in like the $100 showtime. Is going to be more like 45 to 50% up, depending on news, obviously, right now. See, look, Giannis 89, SGA 89, Precious 71, Melton 68, Fred Van Vliet 57, Bruce Brown, Bobby Portis, Tatum, and then goes down Nick Batum, right? It goes down from here. The guys that aren't in a lot of lineups are like Robert Williams or Sean Holmes, oh, you know, Caldwell Pope, Devontae Graham. They'll fit in the top 150. So you take a look at this and you go based on these projections, like Giannis SGA Achua lineups are going to be like, that's going to be the chalk, right? In and of itself. Maybe even DeAnthony Melton, Fred Van Vliet. People are going to use Bruce Brown as a value play, right? So look for a non-Bruce Brown one. Look for a non-Batum lineup. Look for a non-Portis lineup. Right now we have the, the optimal right now. I believe this is the optimal. Let's go through. Yeah, this is the optimal, as are our current projections. Van Vliet, Brown, Giddy, Portis, Achua, SGA, Giannis, Jaron Jackson for a 287, 283.07 at a total ownership of 205. 
Okay. Now, two of this, this this level of ownership is probably good for cash games. Okay. So now we're now we're looking like where does where's the drop? Where does where where do I get a big drop off? Right. So I'm getting 205 up here, 203. Looking, do we get something where we drop off, uh, you know, one, one, okay, 199? How about like in the 180 range? Or even the one, high 190s, the low 190s? So let's see. Let's see what we could find. 194. Okay, 194 at 281. The top one is 283. So we're only giving up uh, two points in projection for that. Right? That could be a candidate for a smaller field contest. So like maybe we save this lineup. Maybe we save that lineup. Start scrolling down. You start seeing, you know, where where's there a drop off? One ninety four, right? A lot of these are like one ninety four ranges. Can we find anything in the one eighty? Like what what happens when we go all when we go more down to like one eighty? If there is any, if I mean, let, let's even see if there is. Just scrolling, and this is all going by projected fantasy points, median wise. We're looking for a lower owned lineup that still projects, you know, well, I'm looking for the 180s. If we could find something, how, how big of a drop are we getting down to 180? And I could just sort by, I, yeah, let me just, I'll do it the easy way instead of doing it to, to what makes sense. I'll just sort by ownership, low to high. Okay, the top one. Okay, so we saw, take a look here. The top one by fantasy points is 283. At 205 ownership. Okay. So I'm going to go by ownership. The lowest ownership is 182 at 280. So you're only giving up like three, three, three projection points. For a, a contest like the $100 Showtime, which has like 500 entries, single entry, this is probably a decent range. 180. I mean, to only give up three points in projection and drop, you know, 20 percentage points in ownership, that may be fine. So now that I have that right now, I'm like, okay, am I willing to drop three points for this much? Like, I think so, right? Here's 279, 279, right? So I want to kind of like 182, 183 at 280. So let's see how many lineups we could find that, that, that go within that, within that range. So let me go. I'm going to get rid of these save lineups because we're going to save other lineups. And this is assuming all the numbers are correctly. Remember, I'm doing this at 11 a.m. just to, to show you a process, not to show you what lineups to play, because, you know, AD gets ruled out and this whole thing changes. Any, anything happens, <laughs> right? Any, all the projection changes, the ownership changes. Fred Van Vliet goes from 28% owned to 18% owned. Well, that's that's 10. His projection, from medium projection didn't change, but his ownership went down. So now, now those calculations you saw on total lot, Ownership for all the friend Van Vliet lineups go down by 10 points. So that you can't do anything until, you know, an hour before lock or something. So we, we, we saw the one, that 182.8 lineup that was okay for like single entry. So it's like, okay, I don't want to see anything between 183, but I don't want anything lower than maybe 160. Right. I'm just arbitrarily saying, okay, 160. So now I'm going to build 150 lineups that exist between these two points. I'm leaving everything open. So it could be, doesn't matter how many uniques, doesn't matter. I'm just looking for the, basically the top 150 lineups between these two ownership points. So going through, and this is going to build 150. I'll, I'll go through the YouTube chat. Feel free to type any questions 
I'll always scroll back. Uh, Edward Brown says, I'm so proud of myself for fading Porzingis chalk. Yeah, he was chalky on FanDuel, not, not necessarily on DraftKings. Uh, Trey, good morning, Blender. Can you show us how to stack in NBA? Player groups are okay, but how do we build stacks? Uh, I will show that soon, not today. We're, uh, Lineup HQ is coming out with a new feature to stack in NBA. Like, like the reason why I'm not showing that is because we have we have a new feature coming out that should be maybe coming out today, maybe tomorrow. We're still testing. That if you wanted to play, use player stacks, even if you just wanted to know, I want to make sure that if I have one guy on the Clippers, I have one guy on this side. That that we we have we we're going to have that feature. It looks very similar to the NFL stacking feature that we have at Lineup HQ. So I didn't I didn't want to show anything like like that because it's easier in most cases to use that that new feature than use the groups. Groups it's it's you have to create so many groups in order to do that that it's so much easier to just say I want to play you know one guy from this team and one guy you know similar to baseball, but it has the positions. If you like, if I play a guard from this side of the game, I want to play a center from the other side. If I want to play two of this guy, do it like you could do that, and you could set secondaries and third versions of that if you wanted to you could do that in groups but it's just easier to do that in some type of stacking interface so i will be showing that off when it does get released so it's it's much much better to wait until then than show you how to do you know 36 different groups to accomplish that uh heat nation is asking me how do i handle westbrook i didn't play yesterday if you you noticed the beginning of the show my fam- family came over. We went out to lunch and we did stuff. I wasn't going to be paying attention. Really. So I, I took a day off. Uh, Byron Underwood, I want to take my test my skills against you on FanDuel. Let's go head to head. I post when I, whenever I play. I'm always posting head to head. They're in the lobby. They're publicly posted. You're more than welcome to take them. I don't care. You don't have to send me anything. You don't have to tweet at me. You don't have to do anything like that. Right? <laughs> Right, that that's all you need to do. Uh, let's see. Hold on, let me answer that for a second. DM. Okay, go through the YouTube chat a little bit more. Was it Joe Stroop? Was it wrong to make a player group of only one of Westbrook or Davis, assuming they were both above nine K and highly owned? Now, that, there's nothing wrong with that. You could have played them together. You could have not played them together. There were going to be a lot more lineups that played both together. So if you want to be different and still play high projected lineups and you make the conscious choice of not playing them together, then that's fine. But you could just, you, you, you could look at lineup. You could have played them together. There was no correct answer. It depends on the rest of your lineup. Would you play only one of them in a lineup that projects 30 points lower? No, you'd rather play them together at that point, right? Or you don't want, you want to take the lineups that are that far behind. Uh, let's see. Michael Dompier, question on player groups in NBA. Do you set up a lot of player rules for a large slate for MME? You run lineup HQ? I find myself with far more player rules in NBA than MLB or NFL. Uh, correct. Depending on what you want to do, right? If you want to make like, oh, if I'm going to play Giannis today, I want to make like, who are they playing? Who the hell are they playing? Who's Giannis playing? They're playing Minnesota. He's like, oh, if I play Giannis, I need to make sure to play a Timberwolf on the other side of the game. You could do that. And run lineups and see how well they project. It's very similar to NFL. People ask, oh, when do you do a run back? When do you do a double stack? Well, run the lineups and see the projection versus ownership. You'll see that depending on the price and depending on how you set them up, like 
like the 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 Buccaneers game, the Bucks Bears game. Like I played 17 lineups and I had like four Brady stacks, but only one out of the four had Darnell Mooney as a run back because the Bears didn't project well. Right. There were there were other forty six hundred dollar range receivers that projected one or two points higher at similar ownership. That is the correlation worth. It It really wasn't right. You could have. It was fine, but it it wasn't exceptional. I'd rather play multiple players from the same game that also project well. So when two sides of a game project well, you're more likely to play game stacks of them. So do the Timberwolves project well today? Maybe not. Right. So maybe in Giannis lineups, you don't need, you know, don't, don't bring, don't have anyone on the Timberwolves side. And if you see that the Timberwolves don't project all that well, you know that in the rest of your lineup, if you're going to tie Giannis to Towns or Giannis to Russell or to whoever or Anthony Edwards or whatever, that you got to make that up elsewhere. So do that stack, lock them both in or do a group of a conditional player, Giannis plus a Timberwolf, and then see what the lineups look like in comparison to lineups that don't have Timberwolves. And see, is the ownership the same? Is the projection the same? Right? Is it worth the correlation? How many points am I, how many projection points am I giving up for the correlation? If you see that you're giving up a half a point for it, okay, that seems fine. And those seem like fun. Those seem perfectly fine to do. But if you see you're giving up five points of projection just to get D'Angelo Russell in the lineups, then I'll be honest, Maybe it's not worth it to do, right? Maybe maybe then it's not worth it. But you'll have to run the lineups in order to see. So here, okay. So I ran lineups uh, from 160 to 183 total ownership, right? So we got that lineup in the 280 range, right? The 279-ish range up here, right? At 182. So now we can build a lot of lineups that are in that range. Look how close these lineups are. 280, 279, 279, 279. 279, still under 183. 279, 279. I mean, look how many viable lineups there are at a similar ownership and a similar projection, right? I ran 150. Where I mean, like 182, 78, 179, 278, 182, 278, right? Is there going to be any type of precipitous drop at any point? 177. So I'm looking for an ownership drop. Like, is there, is there a lineup that, I mean, 176, I'm looking for like a bigger one. Okay, 174 is kind of a bigger one, right? Right, so 278.5, which is only one and a half points below, below the top lineup. Look at this lineup. Graham Brown, Tatum, Earl, Achua, Van Fleet, Portis, Giannis. It's not like, you're not, it's not like, dude, you're playing all guys that are currently projected double-digit ownership. This is, this is, here you go. Here's a single entry lineup you could play. I mean, all of these are viable. And here's one with, with uh, C.J. McCollum in it, 175 at 278. Like these are all, these are all, I mean, all of these, all of these lineups are, are probably fine for single entry, three max, smaller field contests, right? Well, which one do you play? Go to random.org, right? Right? See, now, I mean, once we start getting down to like, okay, we're still in the 278 range. Right. Maybe you get rid of some of these. Maybe it's like, oh, I don't want to play 182, 278. There's a fine line between things. You could still leave these up here. So you go, you're finding lines. 170, 278. Right. Let's see what the lowest owned lineup looks like. 
Uh, total, that's total salary. Let's see, lowest owned out of the bunch that we built. That's fantasy points, 276.4. Look at the range of fantasy points. It's within like three and a half points. All these lineups, all 150 lineups are within three and a half fantasy points, median of one another. The lowest is uh, 165, 277. As Cole Anthony, Trent Tatum, OG, Achua, Davion Mitchell, Giannis, and Batum. I think this is still fun. Like, look how many lineups are viable. Which one is better than the other? There's, uh, it's marginal. I mean, at this point, now we're talking about marginality. They're close enough. If you say, like, oh, I, don't want, I don't want to play Davion Mitchell, okay, then eliminate those lineups. If you, like, this is what I mean by play whoever you want. If there's a guy in here that's like, I can't, I can't stomach rostering Lou Getz Dortz again, well, yeah, I gotta, look how many lineups you have to choose from. If I were to tell you that all these lineups had the same, had, had virtually the same expected value, you could just close your eyes and pick one. Whichever one you wanted. If you want, if only wanted to play one. If you're playing large field tournaments, maybe you play off 150. Of them. I mean, maybe you could probably build a thousand of these types of lineups. 5,000 of these types of lineups anyway. Which 150 do you play? Well, whichever diversification, you know, if you want to have all of them have Giannis in it, that's perfectly fine. But you could find ones that don't have Giannis in it. Right? Can we find the X them out and see? Okay, I'm going to X out Giannis. I'm going to do the same exact thing. Let, let, let's, let's build less lineups. So 20 lineups. You go, okay, maybe you want to, out of, out of a couple of lineups that you're playing, you want to play a couple with Giannis and a couple without Giannis. Okay, well, let's run the same exact thing. We're trying to find lineups because obviously we could look through. There's 14 out of 150 that are in this set. Let's just run 20 that are within that, that ownership range. And we're still looking somewhere between 277 and 280, right? The top optimal is only 283. Right, in in general, the top optimal altogether in general is two eighty three. So we can find a lineup that's around one sixty to one eighty, between two seventy seven and two eighty. Meaning that's probably good, right? So let's run one with like, I'm going to fade Giannis. Let's see, let's see what these lineups look like. Okay, the top one is two seventy nine and one eighty. Okay, there you go, ding ding, you're done. Right, you have Bobby Portis and Tatum in here, Cole Anthony, right. Right. Maybe you want to fade Portis. Maybe like I'm just going to fade the Bucks completely. Right. I don't have Middleton in there. Right. You're going to be playing a lot of Raptors. Right. You see, oh, I'm going to be play, playing a lot of Raptors. Did, are, do any Pacers come up? No, probably not. Right. Maybe you fade SGA. Maybe it's like, okay, I want to play a lineup that doesn't have Giannis and doesn't have SGA in it and doesn't have Precious in it. Right. Like kind of the three chalky players at this point. Can I find a lineup that's around the same? Are there any lineups? Because obviously Presses Achua is in 100% of these. So let's see how much of this drop, this projection drops. And I still get between 160 and 183 ownership. So I'm going to build 20. Without these, these three guys in it, do they exist? What does the projection look like? 277. Okay, not that, not that bad. Right? You're playing 100% Van Vliet and 100% Jason Tatum at that point. Right? So you're dropping a couple of points of projection, but you're not really getting rid of that much ownership. You're just playing different guys that are owned also, right? So you're not dropping. You're, 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 you're probably sacrificing three points for not that great of a reason to not play all three of them. So you could probably just play one of them. 
right? This is what I mean by running lineups. I mean, I, I'll do this on the show every day. And I don't mind doing this on the show every day because these numbers will change. By 3.30, three guys will be out and this guy will be on the, this guy is doubtful now. Someone has an illness. I mean, like the ownership will change that project. I mean, we're going by the algorithmic projections. So our projections team is going to change things a little bit up and a little bit down. So I don't mind going through it. It's like, okay, as if it's slate locked now, this is what, this is what you'd be doing. This is why building lineups at 11 o'clock in the morning seems kind of like a fruitless endeavor. But this is what I'm looking for. So a lot of people, are, they're going, oh, well, I'm not playing 150 lineups. I'm only playing single entry three max. They're only playing a handful of lineups. Still mean, you could look at lineup, look how more efficient it is in lineup HQ to not pick players and pick lineups, right? You go through and you go, and if you don't want to play a guy and you go, there's probably lineups that are project the same and are own the same in that close enough that you could just X a guy out. Well, I don't want to play Davion Mitchell. Okay, well, then find a lineup without him. I don't want to play Nicholas Matome, right? You throw up a tantrum. Well, then find a lineup without either of them, right? Right, you start looking through, or you run him without it, and here you go. You're playing, you're playing four Raptors in a line. Anthony Brown, Trent Jr., Tatum, Machua, Van Vliet, Ananobi, and SGA. There you go, done. Enter. You're done. End of story. And if you're playing larger field contests, now you don't mind dropping more projection and getting more ownership. And dropping dropping in the ownership. So maybe, maybe you're looking more for lineups in the the one the 120 to 160 range. Right? What do those lineups look like? Right? What do what do they look? I don't know. Let's see. If if all the numbers are correct, right? This is after you change ownership for the contest that you play. This would be something you're doing like an hour before lock when when you when you got all the news, when you when you're starting to do stuff. So let's see what we could find between 120 and 160. What's the highest projected lineup in there? I, I also have to put Giannis back in the player pool, right? That would help. So let me put Giannis back. That's going to affect everything. All right, so let me put Giannis back, and I'll run 20 for, for, for speed's sake. You could run up to 300 in lineup HQ. Okay, so now we're looking at the 120. To 160 range. The highest we got is 275.98. Remember, our optimal is 283. So we're dropping seven points to get this much ownership. That may be worth it, may be fine. This is more for larger fields. Who do you have to play a lot of? You have to play a lot of Clint Capella, apparently. Apparently, that's what that's what's getting you there. Clint Capella, and you obviously you're playing 100% Giannis, right? Is there are there lineups without Giannis? Let's say because we built 20. Obviously, if we built 150, we'd probably find some lineups without Giannis. But the top 20 would have Giannis. So let's see what would be the 20 without. So we have one. We're in that right range, 120 to 160, and 275.98. So about 276. So what would be the top 20 without Giannis? 275. So we're dropping about another point to not play Giannis. So this is the type of process that you could be going through. You could find on some slates that, oh, if we don't play Giannis, the projection goes down seven points by himself, right? And you go, okay, okay. Maybe that's the time to start start playing a lot of that guy, right? You see it's such a big drop when you drop a guy, like with Precious, let's drop Precious. And now let's try to build 20 within that ownership 
range. 275 without Giannis and Precious. 274.66. Okay, so Precious doesn't make as much of a difference as, as I thought he would. Right? Seems like Giannis makes more of a difference than Precious. So if you wanted to fade Precious, maybe, maybe, maybe that's, maybe you could build decent enough lineups in large field contests that you don't need Precious. If you're building 150, doesn't mean you play zero Precious Achilla. Just means that there are there are more valid lineups that don't have them than you think. It's not a, a must play type of situation, right? I it could have been that Precious Achua's projection was so good for his price, and the position is scarce enough that that two seventy five goes down to two seventy two, and just simply by not playing him, you're dropping three points in projection, but you're still getting similarly owned lineups. Well, at that point, you go well. Maybe I should be playing more. Pre- and then maybe. Maybe I'm playing a lot of pressures at Chewy today, right? You could use lineup HQ as a tool like this. It's a calculator. It's just one big fancy calculator for you. And then you'll just look at lineups. Once you look at lineups, then you could worry about the players that are in the lineups and what your what your diversification is. Go through the YouTube chat. Dustin Schmidt, how was your night last night, Blender? As I've said. I didn't play last night because I had family time. It's almost like people don't listen or watch the show. I don't know. Oh, let's see. Uncrabby Cabby. Hey, Jordan, what's the best way to utilize the max exposure percentage in build settings? Well, it depends on what you want. What what lineups do you want? I mean, anything like anything with exposures have to do with diversification, not strategy. I've said this about maybe 747,000 times. Okay. I've not touched. Look at look at my this entire process. Have I touched anything with exposures? Because exposures aren't strategy. I could find, I could find for tonight's slate in a large field contest, probably 20 to 30,000 lineups that are plus EV. Okay. I could probably find 20 to 30,000. Right. I could do it in Excel, obviously, 300 at a time in lineup HQ is untenable. But if I was able to run 50,000 lineups, I could I could find find twenty thousand that are plus EV. You'd only play one hundred and fifty of them, right? So being that that twenty thousand of these lineups are within some range of EV of each other, not that much different. They're profitable lineups. It's your it's your decision on well, do you want to play? Do you want to play the one hundred fifty that all have Shagulos Alexander? There are some that don't, right? There are probably more lineups that have SGA in it that don't. But if you have 20,000 lineups to choose from, well, what percentage of the lineups should you play? Well, that's there's no there's no correct answer to that. It's all depending on your risk tolerance. You could play all all, all 150 with the honest, but there are non-Yanis profitable lineups, right? There are non, you know, if you don't want to play Davion Mitchell. You know, I don't want my whole life to be okay. Then you could play, don't play as many of those lines. That there's no strategy behind it. If I told you, if I told you, here's here's a bucket of a thousand lineups. They're all the same. They all are the same amount of profitability in the long run, obviously. That's what expected value is. Like, does it matter? And, and I told you you have to pick five of them. Like you can just pick any five, it doesn't matter. If we ran the slate out a million times, it wouldn't matter which five you chose. But they all have different players. 
Which one would you rather be more diversified or less diversified? Well, that's just a risk tolerance. That's you can play five Giannis lineups, you can play five non-Giannis lineups. They're all the same EV. From a from a from a risk tolerance bankroll management perspective, if you want to reduce your variance, you'll play a more diverse set of lineups. Assuming that all thousand are about the same. So out of your five lineups, maybe I'm playing three of Giannis lineups and two non-Giannis lineups. I'm playing three precious lineups and three and two precious not lineups. Whatever you want. You could also go with a balanced strategy of trying to play them at the frequency in which they should be owned. You could also go with an exploitative strategy of, of I'm more likely to be, get more value by not playing Giannis because I think he'll be over-owned, even though he makes plus EV lineups that I gain more when he fails. So out of my five lineups, I only play one Giannis lineup. All the lineups are still the same. It's the same. If we played this out a million times, it would not matter what five lineups you choose. But on that given day, you're not going to be playing out a million times. So if you want to, if you want to set your diversification in a different way based on you know what you want to do, that's that's purely up to you. Sean Hunter, what's a decent max ownership to cap off the set? There's nothing. I just answered this question. Just answered this question. If you're starting from exposures, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Okay? I'll, I'll put it bluntly. If your first thought is, what are my exposures and how many uniques and those types of questions, you're doing it wrong. Okay, Mo- this is how most people, I'll, I'll show you how most people play. They're going to do a 20 max or something, whatever. I just put, I'm only doing 20 because it makes it for speed's sake, right? This is what most people do. I'll show you on the screen. They'll get to lineup HQ, right? They won't exclude anyone. They won't do anything. They'll go to build rules, right? What are my settings? What should I, they don't have any, any, any type of cap or nothing, nothing like that, right? They go, well, I, I, wanna, I, I heard that three is good on a large slate. Right? They don't know why they're doing this, right? The salary. It's like, oh, I heard you're supposed to spend all of your salary, right? So they put in five. They make sure they spend 5,000. I, I don't want more than 100% of a player. I, I, at most, I want 80%. There's no reason why they're putting this in at this point. They're just thinking, I just don't want to make sure I don't have 100% of a guy. But maybe why wouldn't you? I've also heard that uh, that uh, randomness. I want the projections are fragile, so I'm going to put 10% randomness in. No, no discernible reason why they're doing it on a specific slate. They haven't run lineups. They don't know what the hell's going on, and they're already making settings to eliminate lineups that they could play. Right? They're already doing stuff that whatever. Oh, I heard on today's slate that you shouldn't play anything over over 150. Right? Someone said that there was something. I'm going to cap my max total lineup ownership at 150. They have no reason. They don't know what the, they don't know what, they just heard someone. They, they always do. Oh, it's 150. Every slate, they, they're setting, they're making settings here that they've not run a single lineup yet. And they're already excluding themselves out from tons of plus EV lineups. And possibly they're going to be making tons of negative EV lineups now. Right? So they're not even going to see their mistakes. They're just going to go through and think of settings. If you saw what I did before, I didn't even touch any of these things, right? Didn't have to. 
right? So you go through there, and then they go in the player pool, right? Now I'm building 20 lineups. And they go and they, they, they sort by point per dollar value instead of salary adjusted value. And they go, Bruce Brown, oh, okay. Who's the best players on the slate? SGA, oh, he's, he's done. It, they'll look at SGA and go, uh, SGA, he's, he's been sucking. So like, I want to play him, but no more than 20%, right? And they start doing this. Bruce Brown, I, I, no, I'm just going to X Bruce Brown out. Like, this is what they'll do. Uh, Nick Batum is, uh, he's low. He's, this number is low, so I don't want to play him. Uh, Bobby Portis is back. I got to play a lot of Bobby Portis. I want Bobby Portis in 50% of my lineups. The Anthony Melton's been good, but I mean, his price is up to 5,000 now. I don't really want to play him. Uh, David Mitchell had a great game the other day. So I'm going to, I'm make sure he's at least in like 20% of my lineups. Josh Giddy was great. Also. I want to make sure he's, he's, he's got to be in at least 20% of my lineups. Dort, Dort, I don't want, right. They go down, they do something. I'm just showing what people would do. Gary Trent had a great game, but I mean, do I, how much Gary Trent do I want? Probably 20%. And then did, they're going to start doing this. Van Vliet sucks. I don't like that guy. I don't want more than 20% of that guy, right? Grayson Allen, is it worth it? He has a high smash percentage. So, like, maybe I play a bunch, but I don't, maybe maybe only in, like, two of my lineups. Uh, Earl, yeah, this number looks bad. So, I'm going to, they do this, right? So, I'll do this for a bunch of things. And then they'll press the build button. Right? They'll get 20 lineups based on what they're putting in. They get a ton of Bobby Portis, Jalen Brown, Davian Mitchell, right? They're getting these lineups. 149. Look at the lineups we built before. 149. This is ownership-wise, 150% ownership. Look at the projection. 272. Our optimal, well, I excluded people. Our optimal from before, based on our projections currently, is 283. You're giving up 11 points in projection now. To get 150 in ownership, which may be okay. But now, who knows? I mean, you, you have nothing to compare this to. You're looking at this going, okay. And then what they do is they don't even look at these numbers. They don't even look at the projection. They don't look at any. They don't look at it. They just look at these numbers, the, the ownership and the exposures. They, they look at this. They go up and down. And of course, oh, why is the optimizer giving me more of this guy? Why is he giving me more of that? Do I want to play Jalen Brown? Like, no, I, I'm only in 20% of my lineups. Or they go, oh, Jalen Brown and Tatum. Should I play them together? And they go and they make a player group, right? You go, let's create a group. Take out, so we don't play Jalen Brown and Tatum together. Because that seems logical, right? Doesn't mean you have to do it, but just to the normal, but to an average player using lineup HQ, they think that's that's logical, right? So they, they look through their exposures. Right. It's giving me a lot of Clint Capella. I don't know why. Why is it giving me so much Clint Capella? Does it know something that I don't know? I don't want that much. I don't want Clint Capella in seven out of 20 of my lineups. Like, do I even want him at all? Do I just X him out? Yeah, let me X him out. I don't know why. I don't know why it's giving me Clint Capella because they're not looking at anything. Right. They go through here. They see there. It's like Michael Bridges out. He's always, he sucks. Why is it giving me a lot of Michael Bridges? He doesn't do much. I'm going to X him out. CJ McCollum, okay, he could have a big game. So maybe I I, I want to have him in at least like, like, like make sure he's, he's, I want him in more than 20%. I want him in 40% of my lines. No arbitrary reason why they're doing this. Just completely just like, ah, oh, that's what I want. Yeah, I'm getting SGA and Van Vliet. Devontae Graham had a great game. I forgot about that guy. I want to have him in 40% of my lines, right? 
And I go through this. Caldwell Pope, but no one's out. Why am I playing Caldwell Pope? I'm going to take him take him out of my player pool. Oh, LaMelo. Got to play LaMelo, right? I want LaMelo in 10%. Like, th- this is what they're doing. And then they're like, okay, let me, let me run lineups again. They're going to run lineups again. Right? Get 20 lineups. Top lineup, 271. Right? You can't even fit in Devontae Graham. The, the lineup builder is even showing you that's like, I, I'm okay. I guess this is what you want to do. And you build these lineups. Then you have lineups at the bottom. Like, look at these lineups at the bottom. 106% total ownership. 261 projection. You're 22 points below optimal. Yes, and you're, and you're getting plenty of ownership to go along. You're getting, you know, discounted ownership. Do you need to even play these lineups? And even if these lineups were plus EV, how many of them are you playing? You're playing, look how many, like one, two, three, four, five. Who's under 270? So many of these lineups are under 270. You're sacrificing so much projection. And then you wonder, like, and you wonder why, like, why why am I winning in GPPs? Because you're arbitrarily going through stuff and you're thinking that these exposures are strategy. Not starting from what are good lineups and how many ty- how many players fit into good lineups and what do they look like and how do I jam in as many fantasy points and getting lower ownership and if that just so happens that based on our projections Clint Capella's in a lineup then you should be fine with that until you could unless you could find a lineup that doesn't have Clint Capella that looks the same and you go okay then now I have a choice of not playing Clint Capella if he's coming up in a ton of lineups, there has to be a reason why. So you don't X him out. And I think in terms of this, should I have 50% Davian Mitchell? Well, in this case, you probably should because the more that you give up, you go, oh, I don't want to play 50. I want to cap him at 40, 20 to 40. And they start doing these things, right? Right? Do I want, do I want Kelly Oubre? It's giving me. Or that what they'll do is they'll stay here. They'll just play these lineups and they go, well, and if Davion Mitchell or Josh Giddy sucks that day, go, well, the optimizer gave me 50%. They gave me 50% Josh Giddy and he sucked. Your projections are horrible. Look at the lineups that we made before. Were we getting any Josh Giddy really? We were getting some. But once you start Xing out half the people that you don't want to play for some reason, or you want you want to play 50% of some guy for whatever, for no discernible reason, you have three uniques. So it has to force in three different guys per lineup. You're setting a randomness of 10% in either way for whatever reason. You have a cap on, on ownership total at 150 for no discernible reason. I mean, like, and you have to spend all of your salary. So a 49-9 lineup that projects three points higher can't even be in there. So you see how it's not about settings. Like, what settings do I put in? No, run. All you have to do is run lineup, see what see what looks good, right? Don't put any uniques. Don't put any any randomness. Don't put any anything until you have some baseline to compare something to. You have nothing. The only thing you have right now is the like the, the overall optimum, which I, mean, I have to add the people back on the player pool for it. And then be like, should I give up 12 projection points? Like, not if you don't have to, but you've eliminated so many lineups that you shouldn't be eliminating, right? So now you're now instead of playing like out of that bucket of like you know a thousand lineups, like 
you're playing 20 lineups and only like maybe, maybe only six of them even exist in that bucket. And the other 14 that you're playing are actually negative EV lineups. But you did, uh, but I did all the things that the pros do. I set the exposure here. I set that there. Like, no, you're starting from the wrong place. You have to start from what are the best projected lineups and what are the lower own lineups of that set? And how much do I need for the contest that I'm playing? On some slates that are more efficiently owned and more efficiently projected, like you don't have to give up any, you almost don't have to give up any projection. There's no like dramatic things there. You could find a lineup that's that's three points lower projected, like in the 15,000th lineup. So if you're giving up 11 points of projection, you're playing a lineup that's like rank would be ranked in the millions. Why are you playing that lineup? <laughs> Why? And then on certain slates, the only way to get ownership discount to get a lower ownership is by fading some guy that's well projected and over owned. And maybe you do give up five or six points projection in the process. And it's still fine for larger field contests. A lot of times the pros just jam those people in. And I think that's perfectly fine to do also. But you wouldn't know until you, you have something to compare it to. So going in and, and thinking that this is all about exposures is, is absolutely wrong. You don't start from there. The reason you go through exposures is for diversification. You've already found a thousand lineups. Now you just decided which of the thousand are you playing. That's when the exposures come in. You got to find the lineups first, right? You got to figure out what lineups you want to play. Is there going to be 1v1s and 2v2s? And there's going to be tons of, I mean, tons. I could do this and then come up with thousands of lineups that are plus EV. But you could only play 150 of them, only play 20 of them. You're playing three max, you could only play three of them. Single edge, you only play one of them. Which one do you play? A lot of times the answer is go to random.org and go zero to 300 and uh, 178. Okay, play that one. You could do, if you wanted to, you could do that. If you get within a narrow enough ownership range and projection range, yeah, sure, but whatever. Don't start with the exposures. The exposures don't matter. The settings don't matter. Until you're getting down to, I already know, I already see a whole ton, thousands of lineups I want that could be playable. How do I itemize from there? and mitigate risk. Well, now I could use it. Now, now. Okay, I see that out of out of 100 million lineups, whatever, 1,000 lineups, 90, 900 of them are Giannis lineups. Okay, so there's 100 lineups that aren't Giannis. Well, how many of those do you want to play? Well, it doesn't really matter. You can play any of the, any 20 of the 1,000. Maybe you only play 10 of the Giannis lineups. Okay, that's fine. Maybe only play five million. That's why you're putting in the exp- That's why you're putting the exposures. Once you've already found the lineups, now you're like, now, nah, now, now, how diversified do I want to be? That's it. That's all exposures are. Go through the YouTube chat before we get out of here. Uh, Anthony Rodriguez, would you say you should be looking at ownership percentage last? No. Well, if you're playing GPP, you're looking at it in comparison to one another. Uh. Ryan Byrne says, when I used to do this back in the day, I loved the initial lineups I got. Then when the contest was going, I would realize that those lineups at the end were terrible. That's correct. Right. Because you're forcing that in. You're forcing the calculator, the lineup HQ and optimizer. All it's trying to do is jam in these F points into your lineup. And you're preventing it. I need I need 70% of this guy that doesn't have as many fantasy points as other people. 
And the lineup builder's going, okay, I'm trying to give you as many fantasy points with, within your constraints of what you're telling me. And that's some of the lineups at the bottom are just going to be, well, they only exist there because you told me to make them, right? Those aren't the best lineups, but if I have to have three unique players, if I need to have spend this salary, if I need to do this and I need to have 70% of this guy, like that's what, that's, that. there you go. Here's, here's, here's that's, that's all I can give you. I'm not choosing this. You're the one that told me to get these lineups at the bottom. That's what people do. I've seen this. People have sent me their CSVs. What am I doing wrong? And I'll take a look at like, like half of their lineups and be like, what? how did you get at these lineups? These lineups project 20 points lower than any, all the, you have some of the lineups at the top. They're fine. And I'll be like, okay, you got, you got a good, out of your 150 set, you got a good, yeah, I think 30 of these are, 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 are reasonable. But like some of these aren't and the 150 of them at the bottom are like, what were you thinking? Like, yeah, they're very low on. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But they project horrible. Like in comparison, I mean, you're going to have to, you, you're, you're playing a lineup that you might as well play with one less slot in them. That's how low projected they are. You go, yeah, but that's what the optimizer, and then you get all the, that's what the optimizer gave the stuff. Like, you don't check your lineups? How do you not check the lineups? Okay. So give me some thumbs ups on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs. I'll be back on tomorrow. I'm on all the time. If I don't cover something today, it doesn't mean, I mean, I repeat the same things a lot of times also. We get new people in. They go, well, what should what should my uniques be? What should my randomness be? And I'll go on this whole rant again, the same thing. This will be two weeks from now. It'll be the same damn thing anyway, right? But you can watch all the previous episodes. You can watch all this type of stuff. You can get download my course. Theoryofdfs.com, Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. All these concepts are explained in there. Not how to use an optimizer, but just the, the overall game theory of how to play DFS, no matter what the sport is. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you could pick up at theoryofdfs.com. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, but, but I'll, I'll be playing today's slate. Yeah, we have a good, we have good, good size slate. Let's see if Anthony Davis is indeed playing today. Uh, but uh, you could always sign up and get the projection updates from uh, one of the best projections teams in the industry, rotogrinders.com slash premium. Sign up for there. Get, click on the link, get $10 off your first month. And uh, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Answering your DFS strategy questions, as always, uh, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. Mm-hmm.